Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host Greg Schutz. This is episode 6 of the 2023 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And with week 0 in the books, we're finally ready for the first full slate of games. We're going to recap week 0, what I saw, and then we're also going to talk about some of the matchups for Thursday and Friday. Look, we've got five days of college football. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Labor Day weekend. We know that's going to be the official start of the college football season. So we want to break down what we're going to see on Thursday and Friday, what I will be watching, what are the matchups to pay attention to, and the players to really focus on there for week one. But we jump in first and really take a look at week zero, and it all starts in Dublin, Ireland, Aviva Stadium, and you're talking about Nebraska against Northwestern. Look, I I think when you look at at this game, Scott Frost, all the pressure on him, and I I know that he was probably feeling the heat in this game, and look, he's he's now 5-21 in one-score games. Nebraska winds up losing 31-28 to Northwestern. They get off to a great lead, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's one of those things. It was a tale of two halves for uh, Casey Thompson, the Texas transfer. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, Really just kind of an odd situation there for Nebraska. But I'll tell you what, Northwestern, the physicality, um, you know, that offensive line outplayed that Nebraska defense. All the linebackers that we talked about last week, I was expecting big games from Garrett Nelson, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, and uh, and obviously O'Shawn Mathis, the transfer from TCU. None of those guys really had a game-breaking impact on the defensive side of the football, and ultimately Northwestern was able to take advantage. Uh, you know, really, uh, Ryan Hilinski, I know, really struggled a season ago with the Wildcats. Came out 314 yards on 27 to 38 passing, two touchdowns. Pretty efficient day for Halinski, but look, when you talk about what happened there with Northwestern, you have to start with Peter Skaronski. Now, you'll recall I was talking about really wanting to see if he's got a complete game, and that's really what we were looking for from Rashawn Slater. He had the power to go along with the footwork, that that play strength to go with that agility. That's really what you wanted to see, and I'll tell you what, Peter Skaronski did not disappoint. He looks like a guy who could challenge for a top 10 pick much like Rashawn Slater did. They're talking about, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Dang it, he's a tackle. Just like all the same questions that we were talking about with with Rashawn Slater. Don't doubt it. This is the guy. Look, I know what you're going to say. It's just Nebraska. Wait until he gets further into the season. And you're right. I, I think we do need to see, can he duplicate this against some of the big boys in the Big Ten Conference? But I'll tell you what, what I saw here from Peter Skaronski, A, he's bigger. He's 6'4", about 315 pounds. He was playing under 300 a season ago. So getting him up over that 300-pound mark, uh, I think you could see that in in his play strength, his ability to to generate movement in the run game. You were seeing him collapse the left side of the line. In addition to really what he's known for is that leverage, taking advantage of the fact that, hey, he's 6'4", but he fires out of his stance quickly, gets those hands underneath the pad level, and I'll tell you what, the, the, the feet, the typewriter feet, moving effortlessly laterally. He shut down O'Shawn Mathis. He shut down Garrett Nelson. And there was just one time that Nelson actually got the better of him. And really, with, with Nelson, he actually got underneath Skaronski, which is kind of hard to do. But as he extended his arms, he was able to drive him back. But Skaronski was able to anchor 
re reset his feet, re-anchor, and was able to kind of stand Nelson up. So Nelson did, didn't get a free uh, pass at the quarterback. He still affected the throw, but he didn't actually get a hit on Ryan Holinsky. And that's a credit to Peter Skaronsky. He's showing that strength to be able to, after he's being pushed back, reset the feet, and then ultimately stand Garrett Nelson up. I thought Peter Skaronsky, to me, proved that he belongs in that conversation in the top half of, of round number one and could very well end up being a top 10 pick. We're looking for tackles in this group to really set themselves apart. And I think right now, Peter Skaronsky may very well be in a class all by himself. Let's see what Paris Johnson does for Ohio State against uh, Notre Dame this weekend, especially if he gets to go one-on-one -on -one against Isaiah Foskey. Everyone's expecting Johnson to transition to the tackle position and, and blow up. If he does, then this will be a two-man race in the Big Ten for that top offensive tackle spot come April. Now, Sticking on with Northwestern just a little bit on that offensive side of the football, you got to look at Evan Hall as well. 22 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. Also had five catches for 55 yards. I thought you know he was very effective um, as, as a runner, um, showing that that power. Not a guy who's going to be a burner, but he can pick up those chunk yards. Uh, you know he's more sudden than he is fast. Uh, real patient, allows you know the blocks to develop, follows the blockers, being able to make those cuts off of the blocks. Um, but the power as well, the leg drive, you see that running through guys. Um, the contact balance was absolutely there. This is a guy who squats 515 pounds for five reps, and that leg strength absolutely showed against that Nebraska defense. Now, if we flip to the opposite side of the ball, we look at that Cornhusker defense, as I mentioned. Now, I was expecting to see O'Shawn Mathis really make his presence felt. And look, he was very active, had 10 tackles on the day. Um, but you know, this is a guy who was dragged for some extra yards by Evan Hall. Um, I thought I, I, I saw some good speed, especially on the stunts when he was allowed to really work in space. I think that really leads me to believe that O'Shawn Mathis should be um, you know, a stand-up edge rusher at the next level. Uh, 6'5", 257 pounds. But you know, I, I think you know, especially going up against guys like Skaronsky, he just struggled to get off some of those blocks at times. Uh, same goes with, with Garrett Nelson. Um, you know, look, I thought he was shut down. He's really neutralized any of that speed that he has. Had four, just four tackles on the day. Really didn't get to affect the quarterback at all. Uh, 6'3", 245 pounds. Uh, what I did like about Nelson, though, was his ability to, to turn and run in coverage. You saw him uh, covering the, the running back Hall on a wheel route, able to, to turn and run. It wasn't just Hall, it was also Cam Porter. Uh, so you like that ability to drop into coverage a little bit. He's not just a one-trick pony rushing the quarterback. The guy that impressed me the most on that defense is Luke Reimer, the junior. 6'1", 225 pounds, excellent range laterally. This dude was a former preferred walk-on. Now he's, he's a guy that I think has a, a nose for the football and has a chance to be a guy that can make his way onto uh, an NFL roster when it's all set, said and done. Able to chase guys down from the from the backside. You also saw the ability to get out on the swing passes and really negate any type of a, of a run after catch. You also see the, the ability to uh, uh, drop into passing lanes and, and may affect the pass there as well. So, you know, to me, Luke Reimer was the most impressive on the defensive side of the ball for Nebraska. Now, when Nebraska had the football, uh, Casey Thompson, uh, again, tale of two halves. You know, came into the game, 64% uh, passer for you know at, at Texas. He ended up finishing the game 25 of 42 for 355 yards, a touchdown, and a couple of picks. 
And, and I'll tell you what, he was very efficient initially, right? You know, he had three three games with, with five touchdowns a season ago, and you saw the comfort level early on, his ability to uh, to hit his receivers. Um, Trey Palmer, they got him going early. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda was a big play guy. He was able to get the ball down the field. Also finding the tight end, Travis Vokalek, a guy that I want to talk about here in a minute. But you know, he was able to throw the ball outside the numbers, put it on a line pretty well. Um, you know, the deep ball accuracy was was hit and miss, but you know, he, he did do a good job of, uh, of putting putting the ball on time and allowing his receivers to make plays after the catch. Se- second half, I really don't know what was going on. Uh, a lot of the passes that he was making, you did not see, um, and that's really what you know hindered uh, Nebraska. There was one play that I thought was was pretty fantastic. You know, he scrambled, rolled to his left, nearly falls down, then retreats to gain a little separation from the defensive tackle, Sean uh, McLaughlin, sets his feet, airs it out to, to Garcia Castaneda, breaking free uh, deep uh, across the field on the scramble drill, hits the receiver for a 57-yard game. You know, he backpedaled and, and, and everything, scrambled. The play, I, I think what the, the commentator said, it took about 11 seconds in all, so you saw the athleticism, you saw some of the, the improvisational skills, you saw his ability to keep his eyes down the field amidst all the chaos and still hit his receiver down the field. So I thought that was impressive, but man, you know, he was late on, on balls, throwing balls behind the receiver. Um, it just, it, he didn't seem relaxed at all in the second half, and I thought that really was you know, worked to Nebraska's detriment. Uh, I thought Trey Palmer coming from LSU, eight catches, 68 yards, He's a guy that is going to be a weapon. He's an athletic weapon for them. Uh, pretty good separation in some of his routes. Had six catches in the first half, finished with eight. Um, so a, a guy that really needs to uh, be a focus of their offense. And Tra- uh, Travis Vokalek, look, 6'7", 260, a guy that was really known as a blocker. Uh, but he was a weapon up the scene, man. He was a guy that was getting open down the field and continued to be a, a target for Casey Thompson. And he ultimately had an ankle injury in the third quarter. I think that really affected Casey Thompson's play because he didn't have that security blanket over the middle. And that really kind of seemed to slow things up a little bit. The other guy that I thought stood out to me was was Anthony Grant. Um, you know, the former JUCO player, power runner, um, able to make one man miss in space, drops the pad level, runs through another tackle, and uh, shows the burst to run away for a 46-yard touchdown. End of the day with 19 carries, uh, over 100 yards, and, and a couple of scores. I think Anthony Grant, look, you know, 5'11", 200, not the biggest guy, but he still plays with physicality, plays a lot bigger than than, than he is. Um, you know, Plays with that low pad level, which you love. And uh, he's a guy to keep an eye out for. If Nebraska wants to win football games, they're going to need to to have some balance there. And I think it was a good start to the season for Anthony Grant. Defensively for Northwestern, I think when you look at Adetamiwa uh, Adabare, the dude is is absolutely strong. We know that. He was on uh, you know uh, Bruce Feldman, uh, his freaks list, right? 30 reps at 225. You saw the power. You know, being able to set the edge against the run. This guy's a physical freak. 37 and a half inch vertical leap as well. I saw him, you know, line up at defensive tackle and passing passing downs. Gets good push off the ball. Uh, looks to gain leverage and strike underneath the pad level. Keeps that leg drive to, to send his his man into the backfield. Um, have four tackles. 
you know, you want to see him, you know, create more more plays behind the line of scrimmage. But I still thought it was a decent start to the season uh, for Adebare, and then Cam Mitchell, the junior. Look, um, you know, AJ Hampton, the other corner, goes down to injury. So you have Cam Mitchell. Really, he was the one guy in the back end, six foot, one ninety five, um, and the junior didn't disappoint. You know, he, he there was a post that that Trey Palmer ran early in the game. He was right on his hip pocket. Able to elevate and uh, you know rip at the football, going to the ground uh, for an incompletion there. Um, did a really good job getting his hands in, you know, trailing on, on on the back hip there. Able to get a hand in and break up the pass. Um, you know, he he was the guy that ultimately tried to go low against Anthony Grant and got trucked. You know, they ran through his his arm tackle and ultimately scored that touchdown. But uh, a guy, you know, with his interception that he had. Um, got over the top of the route by Oliver Ma uh, Martin. Uh, ball went through the receiver's hands. Happened to be in the right place at the right time. Gets that pick off. Um, but Cam Mitchell, one of those underrated corners in Big Ten play. He's the guy to watch out for. Pat Fitzgerald does it again. Uh, Scott Frost, that, that hot seat is getting even warmer in Lincoln. Um, another game that I got to watch was Utah State and Connecticut. And, and look... Uh, Jim Mora, you know, there's still a lot of work to do, but Jim Mora Jr., um, the, the atmosphere for, for Connecticut, look, they were winning this ball game at, at one point, and what you saw out of them, you know, between Jackson Mitchell on the defensive side of the ball, Nate Carter on the offensive side, there are some things to build around. Taquan Rob, uh, Roberson, the quarterback, they lost him uh, to an injury uh, early in the game, and I thought that really kind of changed the whole complexion of the game uh, because the Huskies had a lot of that momentum. Nate Carter, only a sophomore, 5'9", 196 pounds, ended up with 20 carries for 190 yards. You saw the burst down the field, patient runner, uh, you know, a, a guy who you know, looked, to ex you know, looked pretty explosive, but you know, the contact balance, you love to see that. There was a stiff arm that he put on, on Gervin Hall, the, the safety, uh, ultimately had a 44-yard gain there. This was a guy who was running behind his pads, looking to to run through tackles, and you know he played a lot bigger than his size and, and that explosiveness, you know, the vision as well. Sees those holes, making the quick cuts, setting up the blocks, being able to make plays in the open field. To me, Nate Carter is a guy to really get excited about if you're a UConn Husky fan. And then I mentioned Jackson Mitchell on the defensive side, 6'2", 227. This guy, you know, I don't think he got a lot of credit a season ago. Had 12, you know, was 12th in the FBS in total tackles with 120, six and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. And man, if you get to watch UConn, watch number eight flies around to the football. Um, you know, he, he does a really good job against the run. Hits those holes. Very good uh, as a wrap-up tackler. You know, this is a guy that's going to be ripping the ball. Um, you know, he, he was able to do that. Uh, attacking the football uh, of, of the ball carrier and uh, you know, ultimately getting a, a change of possession on that. Very sure tackler, especially in the open field. Reads runs to the outside, able to get out there, so the lateral agility is absolutely there. Um, you know, I, I thought that the, the instincts, being able to play downhill, you saw the blitzing coming off the ball, uh, really affecting the quarterback, relentless. This dude just always seemed to be coming. You know, that eight, you know, even when he was blocked, he's looking for ways to still affect the game. I think Jim Mora Jr., you know, in, in 
you know, it's just one game, and I know it's against Utah State, but I feel a lot better about where UConn uh, football is heading, uh, you know, especially given just how awful they've, they've looked for so long. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what uh, what the future holds for Jim Mora Jr. Now, Utah State, all that talk, and Utah State still won the game, 31-20. Um, you know, Lo- uh, Logan Bonner, look, you know, he's you know 20-29, 281 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, look, he's, he's accurate on, on his short routes, makes a lot of plays on the move, excellent with his feet. Um, you know, a guy, look, the second quarter, he was 9-12 for 155 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, for a couple of errant throws ending the half. But, uh, he, you know, the ball placement, there's a lot of stuff that, that he does well. I think he's a product of, um, of of Blake Anderson's offense there, 6'1", 230 pounds. The name sounds familiar. Yes, Logan Bonner started his career at Arkansas State, followed Blake Anderson to Logan, Utah. Um, it, you know, he's, he's a guy that arm strength you know is, is hit and miss the accuracy isn't consistent but you know this is a good start to the season for him uh calvin tyler the running back 58 210 pounds look you know 33 carries 161 yards had a couple of catches for another 33 uh, this is a guy he, he's explosive the quick acceleration downhill to get into the secondary he'll run you over to finish his runs as well so you love that um contact balance is absolutely there um you know some definite speed you know he's not the biggest guy you know at 58 but that 210 pounds allows him to be able to run with, with power and you see him dropping that pad level um, you know he was effective in, in the passing game as well um, so those were the two guys that I really wanted to key in on and watch uh, on the offensive side defensively it's about Hunter Reynolds for me six foot 200 200 pounds this was a guy that uh, you know Ultimately, when Nate Carter had that 52-yard run on an inside zone play, it was Hunter Reynolds that chased him down, caught him at the 14-yard line. Um, one of the things that he did, you know, did a really good job keeping his eyes um, on the quarterback, reading, um, allowing his eyes to take him to the football, jumping a route, stepping in front to, to make the pick. Um, you know, the ball was thrown to the inside um, on, on this play. The quarterback was flushed into the boundary um, to the left rolling out, tries to hit the receiver along the sideline, throwing too far to the inside, which allowed Reynolds to undercut the route, really read the read the eyes, sitting there on that left hash, opened his hips to the inside with his eyes in the backfield, flipped the hips, rolled with the quarterback, ends up making a play on the football. Nice instinctive play there for, for Hunter Reynolds. Six tackles on the day to go along with that interception. And uh, Byron Bonds, I mentioned in the last podcast, 6'4", 230, out of Utah State. Wanted to see him getting uh, to the quarterback. You know, he was a defensive MVP in the Mountain West Championship game for Utah State. Uh, you know, a guy that was able to show some speed when he was able to get off blocks. Ultimately, he's a junior. He'll come back to Logan for one more season. Um, a speed rusher. Had had three quarterback hurries, but he also struggled to get off blocks. That's really the big thing. You know, the the he couldn't set the edge against the run. And so running backs and the quarterback were able to get to the edge and get outside of him. Uh, but it was really that that jump off the ball and then ultimately being able to use a swim move, get to the inside, pressure the quarterback, also being able to come off the ball to the to the outside as well. He was really doing a great job keying in on, on the jet sweep, beating uh, you know the right tackle and the, the tight end were getting out to pull in front of that jet sweep. 
ends up beating the right guard into the backfield, challenges the receiver, wasn't able to make the play the first time, so a linebacker cleans it up, ended up having a, a similar play later on, reading that jet sweep yet again, ends up getting the job done and gets that tackle for loss. Utah State, you know, it, it wasn't pretty at times, but they wound up getting the job done. They wound up winning the football game. Uh, good start for Blake Anderson, but look, they got Alabama next, and uh, I, I think they're going to be in trouble there. Um, you know, I think Bama probably gets out to a four or five score lead early, but I want to see how Reynolds plays because if, if he can play well against Bryce Young and company, I think that's only going to elevate his, his draft stock that much more. Illinois taking on Wyoming in Champaign and the Illini, 38-6 winners. Uh, look, Wyoming depleted from the transfer portal. We knew that. Um, but look, you know, Chase Brown on the offense, 19 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns. And what I loved about Chase Brown was the, the physicality that he runs with. Um, you know, able to uh, to get downhill, running out of those arm tackles. Uh, you know, a guy who also at the same time was able to make some some cuts down the field. I, I think he showed off some decent lateral agility, being able to put his foot in the ground, able to make a cut to the hole as well. Um, you know, there was a pitch into the boundary. He showed really good speed makes the cut back to the inside and gets down the field. Um, you know, there was a time where you know, he had to chop his steps with the over-pursuing linebackers to then be able to, you know, get back to the inside. So that start-stop ability struggled a little bit there. But look, you know, there's no doubt Chase Brown, eight carries for 100 yards to start out the season. You love the physicality with which he runs. Um, had a, a touchdown to start out the game. Um, a 13-yard touchdown reception, ran a wheel route, uh, ran by the safety who took a bad angle, able to extend the ball for uh, extend for the football, made a diving catch in the end zone. Um, he's a patient runner. Um, his seventh career 100-yard game in the uh, on the day definitely doesn't shy away from contact. He's one of those guys when you think of prototypical Big Ten running backs who are going to want to run you over. Chase Brown is that guy. I know Brett Bielema has to love that as well. Um, so Chase Brown, excellent start to the season. He's a guy that I'm definitely going to watch. He's one of those sleeper running backs in the draft. Alex Pocheski, 6'6", 318, um, right tackle. Look, I, I think when you look at him, his 53rd start set a record for Illinois, breaking a, a tie with Fidarian Moe, who was a draft pick, played that left tackle a, a season ago. Pocheski, I think, has a great chance at, at being um, – Picked in, in next year's draft. I thought he was patient as a pass protector, often waiting for the defensive end, engaging at the edge, using his hands, keeping him inside in pass protection. You saw him driving the defensive end, um, either down the field or towards the sideline. Um, he's not necessarily overpowering by any means, but he's definitely effective, active hands, shoves the man away. Um, you know, I, I thought he was pretty... Show, show some decent lateral movement. Not not the best, not overly agile, but again, he gets the job done. I think Polcheski is a guy that could end up being one of those depth players at the next level. You know, I was pretty pretty impressed overall with his play as well. Uh, and then defensively for the Illini, look, Devin Witherspoon is a guy that you need to be talking about. Six foot, 180 pounds, um, a, a guy who I, I liked, you know, in, in off coverage, keeping those eyes in the backfield, reads the out route, you know, on a, on a throw to Joshua Cobbs, the receiver drives on that route, quarterback threw high and it was incomplete, but it was one of those things. He ultimately affected that throw. 
Um, you know, I thought he was definitely patient um, in off coverage, waits for the receiver to make the move, flips the hips, turning to the outside, maintaining that inside leverage. Um, you know, so it's one of those things. He does a great job locating the football. Um, yeah, had an interception, actually got over the top of a route and uh, was able to uh, box out the receiver himself, make the pick, and then he was able to direct traffic as, as he's running a 40-yard return. Devin Witherspoon is a guy that, that we definitely have to keep on, uh, keep an eye on, a three-year starter. Dude's a trash talker. Um, after the play, he was chirping at the Wyoming bench, got called for an unsportsmanlike penalty, so he's got to watch that a little bit. But you love the feistiness there out of Devin Witherspoon. And then uh, Jartavius Quan Martin. They call him Quan, and Jartavius Martin, the safety, um, you know, in phase body position, over the top of the route, turned to attack the football, makes a play on it, soft press coverage. Receiver takes a couple of steps and runs the slant. Uh, drives on the ball, gets a hand in to, to uh, break up the pass. Really, the receiver didn't sell the the uh, the slant very well. Does a good job reading the route, understanding you know his, his keys. Drives on the football, makes a play. Um, you know, I know that, that Devin Witherspoon is the guy that everyone's talking about. But keep an eye on Quan Martin. We know Kirby Joseph was a, a an NFL guy in that that defensive backfield for for Illinois. Quan Martin is a guy that we will have to keep an eye on as well. Um, you know, Wyoming, you know, the, the guy there is, is really Titus Swen, the running back. 5'10", 205, 17 carries, 98 yards, did have a fumble uh, on the day, so you worry about some of the body, you know, the, the ball security a little bit. Linebacker was able to punch it out right at the line of scrimmage. He did get the fumble back, but you worry about that a little bit. You see his burst to the hole. Nice stiff arm in the hole and then a burst of daylight for a 25-yard run. You see his ability to change speeds and then explode through the hole as well. I saw some stiffness in his hips when trying to, to make a cutback and get back through the hole. Still able to pick up 10 yards, but I thought there was some stiffness to the hips a little bit. And then, you know, I think defensively, if there's anyone that you're looking at, it's going to be uh, Cole Goodball. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 285, had five sacks a season ago at that defensive tackle position for the Cowboys. Active hands, looks to get off blocks on the interior lineman, get penetration against the run. Um, you know, very active with his hands, but he can lose leverage at times, and he'll get driven down to the ground by by offensive linemen who will beat him with leverage. He, a lot of times, he's looking to beat guys with his quickness. Got to make sure that he drops that pad level, though. Otherwise, that's really going to get himself into trouble. Um, Florida Atlantic taking on Charlotte. Um, got to tune into that game as well. 43-13, Owls over the 49ers. Um, wanted to really watch, you know, on the on the uh, Charlotte side, uh, Victor Tucker. One of the more reliable guys as a receiver in Conference USA. Uh, coming off of an injury, um, look, he, he's definitely a slot receiver. Uh, you know, he battled some concussions a season ago. Um, you like the hands, good burst, pretty sudden. Um, he's a guy, as this season continues to progress, keep an eye out for him. See um, if he's a guy that has a chance to be a, a late-round late pick. Um, really the guy that I'm, I'm most interested in is Grant DeBose. Can't believe I forgot about this guy. 6'3", 200 pounds, junior for Charlotte, over 800 yards receiving. He was the leading receiver a season ago. Um, this guy, uh, they, they noted on the broadcast, he was actually working at Walmart before last season. And uh, you know, this is a guy who can, can get deep, can get vertical, does a really good job extending for the football, and then able to take it the distance um, for, for a touchdown, have four catches, 89 yards, two scores in all, um, including that 52-yarder. 
but look, you know, Debose, the hands inconsistent, um, ran a post, you know, cut to the inside of the receiver, ran really a nice route, you know, at, at the stem, you know, he fakes outside, cuts to the inside, ball's put on his back shoulder, so it wasn't the best throw, wasn't leading him, but he's still got to come up with that catch, and the ball goes right through his hands, could have been another big play for the 49ers, goes all for naught there. Um, you know, Shadrick Bird is a guy that's interesting. He's only a redshirt sophomore, 5'10", 210, uh, 121 all-purpose yards per game a season ago. All-freshman team there for Conference USA. Very versatile, can return kicks as well. He's someone that I want to keep an eye on, see how his career continues to progress. He could be a guy that we're talking about uh, you know, later on in his career as a potential draftable prospect. Florida Atlantic has a junior running back of their own in Larry McCammon. 5'11", 205, 14 carries, 118 yards, and a score. Uh, look, this 52-yard touchdown had a jab step to the left on this power play, able to get outside following the guard's block, breaks a tackle, able to plant, cut inside the defensive back. He did look a little stiff, but he didn't really lose a ton of speed as the safety comes over around the 10-yard line, able to stiff arm him and finish getting into the end zone. Um, I, I saw this angle route that he ran. He attacked the linebacker. Quick jab outside, uses the push by with his hands to get around the linebacker, makes the catch uh, right inside the packer. 18-yard gain down to the five-yard line. Um, you know, McCammon's a, an interesting guy to keep an eye out for as well. And then uh, TJ Young, the safety on the defensive side of the football, 5'11", 192, uh, the redshirt junior, a team captain, three interceptions a season ago. This is a guy very quick to drive on the football. He's not just going to go for the big hit. He's looking to make a play on the football, so that could be the difference between you know making making that play and, and not. So you know, TJ Young's a guy that I think you know with, with Florida Atlantic, Willie Taggart. Look, you know, Florida Atlantic looked in control for the majority of that game. Um, you know, he's got some guys there that uh, are going to be interesting down the road in terms of their prospects. So, uh, and then the you know a couple more games real quick: Nevada against New Mexico State. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, Larry, uh, Jerry Kill as well with New Mexico State, they looked a lot more impressive than I thought they were going to. Um, you know, they, they, I think they found somebody in that, that quarterback, Gavin, uh, Gavin Frakes, 9-13, uh, 143 yards and a score, also an interception that he threw. But uh, look, you know, he's, he's a young kid uh, coming out of Norman, Oklahoma, Norman North High School, and uh, kid's a gamer. He's a guy to, to really watch out for. Defensively, they've got Lazarus Williams. He's 6'5", uh, 270 pounds, but uh, they kind of had him playing at, at linebacker. Um, you know, top sack guy from a season ago, uses his hands to get off blocks, get up the field, affecting some of those run plays behind, you know, uh, getting to the outside and on the perimeter. He'll be a guy I'm keeping an eye out for because he did have a couple of tackles for loss, seemed to be behind the line of scrimmage often. So, uh, you know, if there's anybody for the Aggies that, uh, you know, I, I want to watch play throughout the season, it's going to be that, you know, Lazarus Williams for sure. And then with Nevada, Toa Tawa, the running back, look, you know, he's only 5'9", 210 pounds, 47 games under his belt, over 3,000 yards, 22 touchdowns. This is a downhill runner if I ever saw one. He's got the power, looks for those physical finishes, um, has a good burst to the hole, pretty good vision as well, seeing those backside lanes. Um, you know, he's going to drag defenders for, for extra yards, inconsistent with his hands, um, you know, had a, had a drop in the game, 
but uh, you know, a guy who doesn't have great top end speed. Another guy who's quicker than he is fast, but definitely a physical runner getting downhill. Defensively, I'm looking at Dom Peterson. Look, he's only six foot 285, but I saw that Demetrius Taylor out of Appalachian State, a guy who, you know, similar frame, but a guy that was very disruptive in his career at Appalachian State. He just made the uh, Detroit Lions. So I'm looking at Demetrius Taylor, and I'm like, hey, if he can make make an NFL roster, there's no reason why we don't you know we don't see Dom Peterson may, you know with a chance at making the roster there as well. Um, when you look at what Demetrius Taylor did with with Appalachian State, 46 tackles for loss, 26 and a half sacks, 10 pass breakups, six forced fumbles. He was a very active. What is Dom Peterson? All Dom Peterson has done for the Wolfpack is be tremendously active. Look, um, you know, 152 tackles, 42 and a half tackles for loss, 22 sacks. Uh, you know, doesn't have that that pass breakup game, but uh, four forced fumbles as well, including one in the game itself. Look, it was a third down play, lined up at five technique, showed really good burst off the ball, got some leverage, rip move on the right tackle, quick turn in the corner, flattens out, gets to the quarterback, and not only is he making the sack, he's making a play on the football, gets the strip, ultimately recovers, recovers the fumble as well. At the end of the day, Nevada wins 23-12. You know, the, the quarterback situation there with Shane Illingworth, Nate Cox, you know, that that's really what's going to be up in the air for, for the Wolfpack. Um, you know, if they really want to make any waves uh, in uh, Mountain West play with, with Ken Wilson at the helm, um, they, they've got to figure out that quarterback play. They've got to get more production. They just weren't really effective throwing the football. But when you've got Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee, a uh, couple of downhill runners, that's really what they had to lean on during the game. And then finally, the late game, way out in Hawaii. Vanderbilt taking on the Warriors. And I'll, I'll tell you, Vandy looks like a much different team in Clark Lee's second season. Look, I know Vandy, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, Van, it was Hawaii. But look, I, I'm happy for, for the Commodores. There is actually something to get excited about. You saw uh, Mike Wright um, just absolutely show off his athleticism at the quarterback position. 6'4", 195. Look, a season ago, only completed 53% of his passes. Eight touchdowns, six interceptions. 0-5 as a starter last year. Comes into this game, 13-21, 146 yards and a couple of scores. But also 163 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. He went to the Manning Passing Academy, improved as a passer, improved that accuracy. There's still a lot of work to be done. I think he's more of a, a project at that quarterback position at this point. But man, he is so explosive. You see the, the burst and he gets back, uh, you know, that quick acceleration into the second level. What I love, he hits the brakes, changes direction, gets back to the inside, and then that quick burst to get back up to speed as well. I look at him at 6'4", 195. I'd love to put him out as a receiver and see what he can do with the ball in his hands. I think he's that dynamic of an athlete. I don't think he's going to be playing quarterback at the next level. I'd love to see him, though, as a receiver. I think he's a talented athlete, somebody to really keep an eye out for for the Commodores going forward. Um, defensively for the Commodores, Anthony Orgy looks like a guy that we have to be excited about um, as a potential NFL prospect. Uh, Anthony Orgy is a guy, he's very active at that linebacker spot. You know, you're looking for number zero, and he's always looking to to try to, to crash the party, get into the backfield. Um, 
92 tackles a season ago. Third team going for loss. Also had a sack on the on the year as well. Um, you know, a guy who he just looks to try to make plays. I thought he looked pretty fluid, actually dropping into coverage, turning his hips from outside to in. Um, you know, being able to to flip those hips easily. Um, there was a run play. Shoots the gap downhill, forces the running back outside. The safety Maxwell Worship, who we're going to talk about here in a second, came downhill, got to the outside, put a helmet on the football. He's actually at behind the play at this point um, because of where he was. Ball pops up in the air, 32-yard touchdown. Very instinctive through the run uh, against the run. You saw him shooting the a gap on these blitzes, forcing you know quick throws. You know was three yards off the ball, but times his jump well, gets into the backfield. Um, you know the, the coverage, being able to drop. You know took two steps back, quick throw to the receiver over the middle, immediately plants, no waste of movement, explodes down. You know forward, big legal hit on the receiver. Um, doesn't always maintain gap integrity, but uh, again, the timing on the blitz. He's a guy to watch out for there in the SEC. And then I mentioned Max Warship. He's 6'1", 210. Uh, the star uh, closes quickly on the football in coverage. Comes downhill, looks to make the big play. Had a poor angle on this 37-yard touchdown, 30, touchdown run by the running back, Dedrick Parson. Um, I don't even know what was happening there. He was coming up right to the line of scrimmage, and you know he, he lost any sense of, of any gap integrity whatsoever. Um, but he's a guy, you know, he lined up in coverage against the tight end, Jordan Murray, in the slot, off coverage, tight end, that hard sell to the inside, releases to the outside, had a half a step on him, ball put over the top by the quarterback, did a good job, not giving up on the play, attacking the ball at the catch point, forced the interception at the goal line. Maxwell Warship, you know, a guy who could factor into that day, late day three conversation. I think Anthony Orgy could be a, a an early to mid day three conversation when it's all said and done. Warship's a guy, um, you know, much like Hunter Reynolds, that could be fighting to get into draft conversation. But they're definitely guys that I'm keeping an eye on throughout the season. Um, and again, it's one game. You know, they're they're playing. Vandy's playing against Hawaii. You really want to see what Warship can do in SEC play. But again, that's part of what, what this podcast is about, is identifying guys to keep an eye on as we go through the season, guys who could be draft-worthy when it's all said and done. So those are the games that I kept an eye on and, and guys that I was watching throughout uh, week zero on Saturday, August 27th. So now we've got a slate of games that are ahead of us for Labor Day. And I'll tell you what, Thursday, Friday, a lot of really interesting games, a lot of really good contests that I'm going to be watching out for. Um, and really the first game that I'm really excited about really is is that Oklahoma State-Central Michigan game. We know what happened a season ago with Central Michigan pulling off the upset against Oklahoma State. I don't know that that happens again this year. Um, but really, you look at the quarterback play, Spencer Sanders has to cut down on those mistakes if the Cowboys want to move on um, You know, and actually win that Big 12, that elusive Big 12 title. Um, when you look at, at what the Cowboys are doing, look, Jim Knowles is gone, but that defense still has a pretty darn good defensive line with Brandon Evers, Sione Ase on, on a defensive tackle. The guys I'm looking for are Tyler Lacey and Brock Martin at the defensive end position. Really, the star is Colin Oliver. He's only a sophomore, uh, but look, Brock Martin is pretty darn good in his own right. He's 6'3", 250 pounds, 14 tackles for loss, nine sacks a season ago. He's an intriguing prospect for sure. Tyler Lacey, 
Um, you know, another guy who's going to draw um, a, a lot of attention. He's 6'4", 295. He's playing the edge, uh, the defensive end position. A guy who could ultimately move inside a D tackle at the next level. Uh, 11 in tackles for loss a season ago. Eight and a half, eight and a half sacks in his career. Um, he's going to be an interesting guy to, to watch as well, getting after the quarterback. But like I said, Colin Olivers is the name to for everybody to know. Um, he's 6'2", 225, explosive coming off the edge, 15 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks as a true freshman in Stillwater. Freshman All-American. Expect a big year out of Colin Oliver. I think uh, Daniel Richardson, the quarterback for the Chippewas, is going to be seeing a lot of really all three of those guys in the backfield. Um, with Central Michigan, when they have the football, uh, Lou Nichols is the guy to know. 5'10", 220 pounds. We talked about him when I talked about the running back class a season ago. He was the guy that was leading the country in rushing yards. Over 1,800 yards on the ground, 5.4 yards per carry, 16 touchdowns, and then 40 receptions to go along with that. That's, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling what this guy was. He was the offense for Central Michigan. Um, excellent hands in the passing game. A guy that um, doesn't have uh, game-breaking speed necessarily, um, but he, he has so, a, a good burst, uh, very decisive uh, as a runner, a guy that, you look, he gets bottled up, looks to try to bounce it, excellent vision as well. Um, he's a guy that shows off power in the, in the red zone. Um, and, and again, that burst, you know, he may not always run away from guys, but that burst of daylight, he's going to rack up yards and bunches. He's a guy that the Cowboys are going to need to corral. But Central Michigan, if they want to pull off the upset, it's going to be all about what Lou Nichols is able to do running the football. That's really going to be the big key there in that game. I'm excited to check it out. It'll be Boom Pickens Stadium in Stillwater, the number 12 Oklahoma State Cowboys taking on Central Michigan. Then we move to, it's no longer Heinz Field, it's Acrisure Stadium now in Pittsburgh, where it's really the... US, the former USC quarterback bowl, I guess, if you will. Keaton Slovis taking on JT Daniels. Pittsburgh against West Virginia, the back, backyard brawl. This is really an intriguing matchup when you look at the quarterback. 6'3", 205 is Keaton Slovis. Um, you know, 65% passer a season ago. Um, you know, really struggled with the interceptions. We talked about the issue with Keaton Slovis, and it was really about that offense. I don't think it was the right fit for him running that spread, and really with Graham Harrell, he was attacking, wanting to attack the perimeter, and when you're only rushing three, dropping eight, he struggled to find the open receiver, and then ultimately he's over, you know, over analysis, you know, the analysis paralysis, you know, and ultimately he throw a ball late, make a bad decision, and, you know, we didn't see that confident quarterback that we saw as a, as a freshman coming in there and filling in obviously you know for a for an injured JT Daniels no less but uh Keaton Slovis now he's going to have a completely different offense there in Pittsburgh it's going to be more of a, a pro style offense and I think that's going to bode well for him and his confidence and his really his skill set that's what I'm excited to see out of uh Keaton Slovis and, and look you know he's got Frank Signetti as that offensive coordinator look he, he doesn't have Jordan Addison his explosive receiver there on the outside but what he does have is Jared Wayne coming back uh, you know who's a pretty talented receiver he'll be a guy to, to watch out for there for sure and then obviously you know there's the you know 
uh, Kaneda Mumfield, um, who came in from, from uh, Akron. Another talented wideout. Obviously, you've got Israel Abanakanda in the backfield, a 1,000-yard rusher from a season ago. Um, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing Carter Warren, the left tackle, definitely a pro prospect there. He'll be going up against uh, Dante Stills. I think of the Stills brothers, he, he probably has the most um, draft potential of the two brothers. Uh, Darius was a little undersized at the defensive tackle position. It did go undrafted. Dante, 6'4", 280, 44 tackles for loss, 20 sacks in his career. The brothers are known for their really quick first step. Want to see what happens against Carter Warren. I think a lot of times you're going to see Dante Stills try to kick inside, take advantage of the speed uh, going up against some of those guys on the interior of that line. Um, when Pittsburgh uh, is on defense, you have to look at Kalijah Kansi, the, the defensive tackle there. Um, another guy who's undersized. We've heard that before a lot with, you know, from Aaron Donald to, uh, you know, Jalen Twyman, the guys that can just really get off the ball quickly. Six foot two seventy five, seven sacks, 13 tackles for loss a season ago, five tech or uh, three technique there. You have Habakkuk Baldonado, um, who is, I think, one of the better defensive end prospects in this year's draft. He's 6'5", 260 pounds, uh, really had a breakout 2021 season with 12 tackles for loss, nine sacks. But the guy who really stirs the drink of that defense um, is, is Servassier Dennis. Awesome freaking name, if you ask me, too. But but Servassier is, is a playmaker. He has a nose for the football. Watch out for number seven, 6'1", 230 pounds, had 82 tackles a season ago, back-to-back -back season with, with at least 10 tackles for a loss and four sacks. Um, he just flies around to the football. He's a lot of fun to watch. I, I think number seven is going to have a huge year there, may be the best player on that Pittsburgh defense. He's the guy to watch out for moving up draft boards for sure. Now you have JT Daniels, a guy, look, when he came in for Georgia, filled in in relief, um, you, you saw some of that talent, you know, a guy that, that played in, in nine total games. Uh, they're over just under 70% completion percentage, just under 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, just five interceptions. You know, this is a guy, you know, he, he's battled some injuries in his career. I mean, we know that that knee injury against Fresno State ultimately vaulted Keaton Slovis into that starter spot. This is his third location. He's, you know, hey, Let's see what happens there with uh, with West Virginia. Uh, he's got uh, a group of receivers, Sam James, Reese Smith, Bryce Ford Wheaton, some good wideouts to throw the football to. Doesn't have Letty Brown. He's moved on, graduated. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see what, what JT Daniels can do. Um, obviously, you've got Doug Nestor, the right guard, is a guy that you'll be keeping an eye on. Really want to see if he can go head-to-head -head with Kalijah Kansi a little bit. Um, I think that'd be an interesting matchup. And then Jarrett Bartlett, the linebacker, for, uh, for West Virginia is another guy that uh, I think we have to be watching for in Big 12 play. Uh, pretty active linebacker, a guy that can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, can get after the quarterback a little bit as well. Uh, and then Rashad Ajayi, um, you know, with, with him, Rashad uh, came over from Colorado State. I thought he was one of the better corners in, um, in the Mountain West. Um, and so... He's one of those guys that's going to be looking to try to shut down Jared Wayne on the opposite side. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Pittsburgh ends up coming away with the win, but uh, I'm really curious to see the quarterback play in that group for sure. Penn State taking on Purdue. Got to tune into this game for sure. I want to see what Parker Washington can do. 
can he duplicate what Jahan Dotson did a season ago? Look, he's 5'10", 212 pounds, powerfully built, 820 yards um, on 64 catches, four touchdowns, a guy who can make plays in the slot. Want to see what he can do on the outside as well. He's going to be a very intriguing prospect for me. Um, you know, I think you lose Arnold Ebiketti, you lose Jesse Lucetta. So that front seven, really desperate for uh, some playmakers. You look at Adisa Isaac as a guy, 6'4", 248 pounds, very athletic, looks apart. Um, Redshirt Jr. Um, didn't play last season. He's the guy that I think that the team is counting on to make some big plays. P.J. Mustafer, uh, the big defensive tackle, is a guy that uh, is coming back off of injury, 6'4", 323 pounds. Um, he makes his presence felt on the interior of that defensive line. And then Curtis Jacobs, he's a lone guy in that linebacking core that returns from a season ago, 6'1", 229, um, could be active for, for this group at outside linebacker. I'm expecting him to have he's going to have to have a big year they moved Jonathan Sutherland to safety to linebacker so it's going to be interesting um, there for the Nittany Lions and then Joey Porter Jr. he's going to be the guy that's leading that that defense especially now that Jaquan Brisker and, and Tariq Castro Fields are no longer in that secondary Joey Porter Jr. is going to be really relied upon uh, to be physical out there uh, on the outside needs to watch those hands get a little handsy um, but definitely a guy that you know I'm expecting a big year from. Um, and then you know Jair Brown, 5'11", 208, the safety, six interceptions a season ago, playing alongside Brisker, really going to be counted upon to be a, another presence there on the back end of the defense. Um, had 73 tackles a season ago as well. Um, so he's a guy, one of those safety prospects to keep an eye out for for sure with the Nittany Lions. You move over to the opposite side of the football, Purdue, um, and Aiden O'Connell is going to be the guy to watch. 6'3", 200 pounds at that quarterback spot. Look, a season ago, um, over 3,700 yards, just under 72% completion percentage, 28 touchdowns, did have 11 interceptions, needs to cut down on the mistakes a bit. But you know, you look at, at the receiving core, brought in a, a pair from Iowa, Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy decide to move on to Purdue. Um, they'll be teaming up with Brock Thompson. And uh, it's going to be an interesting receiving core there. They have Payne Durham, who I think is a legitimate tight end prospect. Gus Hartwig at center. Want to see what he could do there on the interior of that offensive line at the pivot. Um, you know, Defensively, we don't have George Karloftis there. But the guy that I'm going to be watching is Jalen Graham, the linebacker. And, and what you get in Graham is, is an athletic guy, 6'3", 220 pounds, number six, kind of that hybrid linebacker safety, but that's really kind of that next generation type player. And, and last season was his first year at that linebacker position, 64 tackles, uh, have four for loss, a sack, a couple of interceptions, seven pass breakups. I think he's going to be the playmaker on that defensive side of the football. And look, you know, Sean Clifford is the quarterback there at Penn State, the veteran, um, you know, up and down career for sure. Um, that veteran leadership, you can't understate that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be, a, a, I think it's going to be an offensive battle here between these two, these two defenses. I think they're looking for their identity. Um, I think Penn State gets the win, but it's not going to be easy there in ross State Stadium, that's for sure. Um, the last game on Thursday that I'm watching is Missouri taking on Louisiana Tech. Perot Field in Columbia, Missouri. Brady Cook, hey, you've got your starting job. Connor Bazelak's moved on to Indiana. 
So he's the guy that's going to be at the helm there on that offensive side of the ball. I'm going to be looking out for Javon Foster, 6'5", 319 pounds. The offensive tackle is a guy for me um, that's probably their, their best pro prospect um, on the offensive side of the football um, that, that's eligible for the draft. Their best prospect overall could very well be Luther Burden. And with Luther, you know, you're talking about a five-star wideout, the top wideout in, uh, in the draft. And it's just interesting getting to see what Luther Burden can do there for Mizzou. Time is finally now to see what this kid can do. He's 5'11", 215 pounds, but so explosive. You know, and that's really the thing that I think jumped off off the screen when you watch any of his tape. Um, East St. Louis High School led them to the state championship game. 71 catches, over 1,100 yards in the senior season, including 20 touchdowns. Luther Burden is going to be a guy that's going to be wreaking some havoc there in SEC play. Defensively, you know, they've, they've got some guys. they got some transfers in. Um, you know, Tyron Hopper is a, an interesting linebacker there um, coming from uh, – coming from Florida. So he, he's a guy that I'm going to be watching out for, for sure. 6'2", 228 pounds. Um, you know, a guy that I think can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, they needed some of that depth there at that linebacker position, so he's definitely a guy that can come in there and fill in. Um, they also were able to pick up Joseph Charleston, who has some starting experience there at Clemson playing safety. But, you know, the guy I'm really interested in is Trajan Jeffcoat, the 6'4", 276-pound defensive end. Um, Really expecting him to kind of emerge after a six-sack season in 2020. We didn't really see that happen in 2021, just three and a half sacks. Did have 10 tackles for loss. Really want to see what he can do to rebound here in 2022. And then Chris Abrams drains. Um, you know, the thing with, with Missouri, they always have some, some guys in the secondary who end up becoming pro prospects. And Chris Abrams drain, 5'11", 179, could very well be that guy. Played receiver in 2020. Ultimately moves to the opposite side of the ball. Three interceptions, seven pass breakups. A guy who I, I thought you know, brought some of those receiver skills to that cornerback position. I think he's really going to have to, to key in there. If Missouri wants to do anything um, defensively, he's going to have to lead that secondary for sure. But uh, getting Charleston in there to play safety. Um, you know, he's got another veteran corner in Ennis Rakestraw. So I think that's one of the, the stronger units there for Missouri. And really they also have... Uh, the star, uh, Martez Manuel, um, a, a guy, look, you know, at, at that, that safety position, 15 tackles for loss, seven sacks, eight pass breakups. So he's another guy that I'm going to be interested in and seeing what he can do. And then they're taking on Louisiana Tech and really with the Bulldogs, um, it's going to be all about B.J. Williamson defensively for me, 6'1", 185, the safety, um, 143 tackles in his career, six interceptions. That's you know three interceptions in each of the last two seasons. A, a guy who uh, is a playmaker on the back end of their defense. And then how about we give it up for Tyler Grubbs as well, 6'1", 224, a guy, all he, he's a tackling machine. He's a, jun uh, a, a junior there for uh, Louisiana Tech. Um, I guess technically he's a sophomore if you say that, hey, that 2020 season um, is, is his first freshman year and 2021 is his second freshman season, whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, 193 tackles in his first two seasons, um, 19 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half tackles for loss, six pass breakups, three forced fumbles. He's the guy that flies around to the football, makes a lot of plays 
and he's going to need to do that there against Missouri. I think Missouri's going to have a little bit more firepower against Louisiana Tech, but uh, I think Mizzou is going to have a hard time winning a lot of games in the SEC. We're really going to need to see some, some guys break out there for them and uh, in a big way. And I think Luther Burton is, is really the guy that they're leaning on heavily and uh, you know, a, a guy that I think everybody in college football should be excited to see play. Now on Friday, there are four other games that I'm going to be tuning in and watching there as well. Michigan State taking on Western Michigan in East Lansing at Spartan Stadium. And uh, you know what I'm going to be interested in here, obviously you've got Jaden Reed, the wide receiver there on the outside um, for Michigan. You know, they, they, Michigan State, they don't have um, Jalen Naylor. He entered the draft a season ago, but you have a 1,000-yard receiver coming back in Jaden Reed. You have the junior quarterback, Peyton Thorne, um, a guy who I think um, could be a pro prospect in, in next year's draft. Um, just really want to see how he continues to build upon last season, over 3,200 yards, just 60.4% completion percentage, 12, 27 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Needs to cut down on, on the, the mistakes. Needs to work on that that accuracy a bit. Needs to clean that up. But definitely a guy. They're going to be going. That offense is really going to go as, as Peyton, Arm, uh, Peyton Thorne's arm will allow it. And when you look at Jarek Broussard coming in from Colorado, he's looking to try to capture lightning in a bottle like they have with, with Kenneth Walker. Maybe lightning will strike twice in East Lansing. 5'9", 185. Um, you know, over 1,500 yards in his first two seasons there with the Buffaloes. Interested to see what, what he can do there at Michigan State. Really, Kenneth Walker III was seen as a, as a day three guy. And then he goes to Michigan State, and then he's the second running back taken. Seattle has him there, and he's a guy that I think will end up getting a lot of work with, with Rashad Penny once he comes back um, and is fully healthy from that injury. Um, Xavier Henderson defensively is the leader of that defense for sure uh, for the Spartans. 6'1", 2'10". Glad that he came back for, for one more year. Over 200 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, three sacks, three interceptions, and uh, eight pass breakups. Again, he's the, the captain, the leader of that defense on the back end, and uh, the guy that I'm really going to be excited to look out for, um, you know, for, for that defense. I think he, he's going to have to have a big year uh, for Sparty on that side of the football. For Western Michigan, the guy that we probably ought to keep an eye out for is, is a smallish back, Sean Tyler, 5'8", just 185. Not the biggest guy by any means, but look, over 1,100 yards on the ground a season ago, 6.5 yards per carry, 9 touchdowns. Wasn't a huge factor in the passing game, but I, I think he's the guy, uh, that dynamic playmaker there. You know, He's sharing time with Ladarius Jefferson in the backfield who had 836 yards himself. That's really what you're going to be seeing with Western Michigan running the football. Um, that's really what the strength of that, that that team is going to be. Defensively, Western Michigan has a pair of linebackers that are going to be interesting. Uh, All-Mac linebacker, uh, you know, Zaire Barnes, 68 tackles a season ago. This is a guy that's going to be looking to try to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Then you have Corbin Moment, 68 tackles, 10 for loss a season ago. Those guys, I think they're going to have a work cut out for them. I think between Reed and uh, Broussard, along with Peyton Thorne's arm, they wind up getting the job done. Um, and, and Michigan State comes away with the victory. Virginia Tech on the road against Old Dominion. And I'll tell you why I really want to watch this game. Obviously, you've got Virginia Tech, but with, with that matchup, um, 
you know, you can watch Virginia Tech in the ACC uh, and really get a good idea of the types of players that, that they have from a, a draft standpoint, right? But what I'm really interested in is more so on that, that Old Dominion side of the football. There are some guys that I'm truly interested in and how they match up against Va Tech. One of those guys is going to be the running back, uh, you know, Blake Watson. He's a junior. Look out for number two. I think this is a guy who uh, has some explosiveness to him. He's 5'9", 193. Again, not the biggest guy. Was a receiver for, for ODU um, in 2018, 2019. Um, didn't play in 2020, but in 2021, you know, we know ODU didn't play uh, the season. But 2021, the Monarchs come back over 1,100 yards on the ground. 5.2 yards per carry, eight touchdowns. Wasn't much of a factor in the in the passing game. Really want to see what he can do as a receiver as well. Um, but he's one of those sleeper running backs that could find his way into uh, that, that late day three conversation or potentially a priority uh, free agent. And then you also have Ali um, Jennings. He's 6'2", 200, the transfer from West Virginia. First year at Old Dominion in 2021. All he does is go over 1,000 yards. 17.2 yards per reception and five touchdowns. The guy who I think could be explosive for them on the outside. And then really the guy that I'm tuning in for is big number 80. Now when I say big, this dude is a big dude. Um, and that's Zach Koontz, the tight end. And uh, he's 6'8", 245 pounds. First three seasons at Penn State. Goes to ODU for 2021. And man, 73 catches, 692 yards, five touchdowns. He was a beast there on the outside. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do on that that, uh, that offensive side of the football going up against uh, that, that Hokie defense. You know, I, I think he's a guy that had he played at Penn State, people would be talking about Zach Koontz uh, much higher in the draft. Um, and I think as his draft stock continues to build, we'll be talking more about Old Dominion football. And hey, guess what? I'm tuning into another Old Dominion game because I got to get my eyes on Zach Koontz. I think he's a guy that's going to really be an interesting player as this season progresses. Now with Virginia Tech, I think their strength is really going to be on the defensive side of the football. That's really where my eyes are going here. And uh, I think of Dax Hollyfield. Uh, the guy in the middle of the defense, number four, the captain, and uh, a guy that looks to fly around and make plays, right? 6'1", 239 pounds. Um, last year was his best season yet. 92 tackles, nine going for loss, four and a half sacks as well. Um, very active linebacker. Um, I think Alan Tisdale, the, the weak side linebacker, may be the guy that's going to be in charge of trying to cover Zach Kuntz. Um, you know, Armani Chapman uh, at corners, an interesting uh, prospect as well, uh, but Shamari Connor is uh, you know that, uh, that free safety, and he was a guy that I think was on my radar as somebody to, to watch out for there for the Hokies. Six foot, two hundred five, back to back season with over eighty tackles, um, four interceptions in his career, seventeen pass breakups as well. Uh, he's a guy that I'm going to be keying in on defensively, uh, and then Taiwan Garbutt. Um, the defensive end is going to be a, a, someone that they're going to need to rely upon to, uh, to get pressure on the quarterback, especially with Amari Barno moving on. Um, I think Virginia Tech ends up winning the game, but again, those skill position players for Old Dominion will make it exciting, and uh, you know that's why I'm tuning in. Illinois taking on Indiana Memorial Stadium, not in Champaign. This will be in Bloomington, and uh, look, Illinois... 
you know, we already talked about them in their first game. We know who we're, we're keying in on. Want to see what Chase Brown can do yet again. Um, you know, want to watch Devin Witherspoon as well. Um, I'm interested to see on, on Illinois, or I'm sorry, on Indiana side, um, what Connor Bazelak can do, the junior transfer coming out of Missouri. Um, this was a guy who ended up losing his job to uh, Brady Cook. And, you know, Bazelak moving there. Um, you know, Michael Penix, reason why Bazelak was able to move in, Michael Penix ended up transferring to Washington. Um, 6'3", 212 pounds. Um, he's a career 66.3% completion percentage, 23 touchdowns to the 17 interceptions. You know, he's going to need to get protection. He's going to need to get some help there. Um, you know, they've, they've got a couple of veteran linemen, uh, Matthew Bedford, Luke Haggard, Mike Caddick. Um, those are the guys that are going to be blocking for him up front. Um, they're returning starters. Those are the guys that, that I think he's going to need some help from. DJ Matthews, you know, if the name sounds familiar for you ACC fans, yes, he did transfer from Florida State to Indiana a season ago. Um, only played in five games. I think they're going to be relying on him heavily in that passing attack, especially with Ty Freifogel gone. Um, you know, the running back position, John Shivers, that name should ring a bell for all you SEC fans. Um, you know, look, with Tank Bigsby in the fold, if Sean Shivers wanted to be the guy anywhere, he was going to have to transfer. 5'7", 189, um, just 1,000 yards in his career, uh, 38 receptions. He was really used as kind of a, a change of pace guy for Tank Bigsby. He's going to be the guy there in Indy, and that's really what everyone's going to be looking at there. Um, when you look at uh, the defensive side of the football for Indiana, I think that's where you can get excited. You know, We have Micah McFadden, that middle linebacker a season ago. You look at Cam Jones this year, number four, 6'3", 224 pounds, 60 tackles a season ago. Very active linebacker. Um, but obviously when we're talking about Indiana defense, you have to talk about Taiwan Mullen, right? You know, very active guy. Um, only played in five games a season ago, but uh, 20 pass breakups in his career, three interceptions as well. Um, he's a ball hawk, a guy that's going to have a nose all over, the, you know, right around the football at all times. Uh, I think Devin Matthews, the safety, Jalen Williams, the other corner. You know, they've got some good secondary players, and really that back seven is going to be interesting um, going up against Illinois. That, you know, the front four. It, uh, you know that's where I, I think they're going to get beaten up a little bit there by Illinois. I think about Alex Palcheski and, and company up front. Chase Brown running through some of the arm tackles. Cam Jones is going to have to be active. Devin Matthews is going to have to be playing around the line of scrimmage. I just don't know that Indiana has enough defensively to handle Illinois. Um, and I think that offense, uh, you know, with a lot of new pieces, they're just going to struggle to get anything done. I think Illinois ends up winning that game as well. Um, 2-0 start to the season for Brett Bielema. I know he's going to be excited about that um, if that does come to fruition. And then TCU going on the road to Colorado in Boulder. Um, that's the final game on my slate for um, for Friday. And, and obviously, you know, I want to see some of these guys for TCU. Uh, Max Duggan, the quarterback, he's a senior. And, um, you know, Duggan... 6'2", 201, not really considered in, in the upper echelon of that quarterback position. Um, you know, I, I think he, he has some decent athleticism. Um, over 1,400 yards on the ground, 19 touchdowns. Uh, good but not great arm strength. Um, you know, 41 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, but the completion percentage in his career is pretty shaky. Um, you know, I think he's a 58.6% uh, career completion percentage, so the accuracy just isn't there. 
but you really want to see them use the big guy. We talked about uh, you know a little bit when we were talking about the receivers. Quinton Johnston, he's 6'4", 193, and I compared his stats to Drake London's when Drake London had his first two years at SC. He was a basketball player, devoted his time to football, had the breakout junior year. Quinton Johnston actually has better numbers through his first two seasons. 55 catches, over 1,100 yards, 20.4 yards per reception, and eight touchdowns. He just, just get him the ball. That's really what we want to see. Steve Avila is going to be the anchor of that defense at the pivot. Big number 79. He's going to be big. He's going to be physical. He's got to make sure that he's maintaining, uh, you know, really holding that point of attack. He's one of the top centers in this draft class. So I'll be excited to watch him play. Um, and then defensively, I think, you know, you have Travius, Hodges, Tomlinson. He's got to be the guy that everybody's tuning in to watch in the back end of that defense. He's not the biggest guy. He's just 5'9", but you love the instincts. You love the ball skills. 21 pass breakups and a couple of interceptions in his career there for the Horned Frogs. Noah Daniels on the opposite side. Look, I think he's a he's a legitimate prospect. He's 6'194", played in just five games a season ago. Um, you know, I, I really want to see if Noah Daniels can get things going this season. If he does, then he's a guy that I think will definitely be relied upon for the Horned Frogs in Big 12 play. Look, you know, we know what happens in the Big 12. A lot of teams like to air the football out. He's really going to be relied upon to have a big season. And then the linebacker position, I'm looking at D. Winters on the inside of the line. Um, you know, 6'1", 223 pounds, um, 167 tackles uh, in his career, 19 tackles for loss, five sacks, five pass breakups as well, a couple of interceptions a season ago. He's going to be the leader of that linebacking core um, and a guy that really has to make a lot of plays um, for TCU. I think this is a team that's going to be in the middle of the pack, um, you know, if you ask me, although I think they'll, they'll be pretty sneaky. I think Max Duggan is usually good for at least one or two games where he surprises people and they end up beating a team that might even be better than them. Uh, on the Colorado side of the football, no Jarek Bernard, no problem because you have Alex Fontenot. Um, with, with Fontenot, you know, he's, he's six foot, 205. Um, really his best year came in 2019, 874 yards on the ground, uh, 40 catches in, in two seasons of action there on the field for the, the Buffaloes. He's a, an intriguing guy there at that running back position. He'll be a guy to watch out for, for sure. Um, and then uh, on the defensive side of the football, one of the guys I'm interested in is, is Isaiah Lewis, third-year starter at safety. Um, he's He's got some young guys there in the back end of the defense for him. Um, Makai Blackton, is, uh, the, the cornerback, has moved on to USC. So um, you know it's really going to be all about Isaiah Lewis um, at that strong safety position. And... Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He's six foot, 205, um, a guy who shows off some decent range uh, on the back end of the defense. He's really going to have to step up and have a big year for uh, Carl Durrell and company uh, on the back end of, of that defense. I just, I'm worried about Colorado. I don't know that they have enough guys that can make that make plays. They're going to be relying on a lot of guys that just haven't um, haven't had a lot of experience. One of the things that I do like in the transfer portal was they picked up Josh Chandler uh, Semedo. Um, he's a West Virginia guy, 5'10", 226 pounds, kind of an undersized linebacker, but he had a great season a season ago. was very active for the Mountaineers, 110 tackles, 5.5 going for loss, 1.5 sacks, a couple of picks as well. Um, you know, when you look at some of those undersized linebackers, guys that can end up making that transition to the next level, 
Um, you know, there there are guys that uh, uh, that do stick. And the name that I, I think always comes to mind is uh, Jatavis Brown, who ended up you know making his way onto the, sh- the the Charger roster, a fifth round pick. He was 5'11", 222 pounds, a guy who had 340 tackles. This was a dude though that was making a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, and 10 forced fumbles. He's the guy that always comes to mind when I think of undersized linebackers. And um, you know, I think with Josh Chandler, I'm not saying that he's the next Jatavis Brown by any means. You know, when you look at the stats, there's really no comparison. But stranger things have happened before is, is all that I'm saying. Josh Chandler is going to be a nice fit there for the Colorado Buffaloes. I just don't know that there's going to be enough weapons there for Colorado to really make a huge dent. Um, I think TCU ends up winning that game going away in Boulder. So a lot of excitement for me um, getting the, the first week of action under my belt and uh, you know, just looking through the rest of the games, Tennessee, Ball State, um, you know, wanted to see Cedric Tillman there for the Volunteers. He's the guy that I'm really going to be most interested in. Um, you know, you look at Wake Forest, A.T. Perry is going to be going up against uh, VMI. Um, so obviously you want to see you know what he can do on the outside. Minnesota taking on New Mexico State. Mohamed Ibrahim coming back off of injury. John Michael Schmitz, the center. Tanner Morgan, the veteran quarterback there as well. Um, so they take on New Mexico State. You know, Jerry Kill, like I said, they've got them going in the right direction. Want to see what Gavin Brakes can do there for them. Um, I think they're going to be a much improved team, though. So I think that really calls a wrap for the first two days of college football action. Um, I'm going to try to put together another podcast on Friday in advance of Big Saturday, right? I mean, we've got a lot of big games there. Um, you know, NC State against East Carolina. I think that's going to be a sneaky game early. Um, you've got obviously the Chick-fil-A kickoff with Georgia and Oregon. We got to talk about that matchup. Arkansas taking on Cincinnati. Um, you know, Bearcats taking on an SEC team, a couple of ranked opponents there. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, as you continue to scroll through and take a look at some of these other matchups, Utah going into the swamp, taking on Florida. I think that'll be an interesting game. Um, you'll want to see if Utah is legit, um, you know, Tavion Thomas, uh, Cam Rising and company, what can they do uh, against the Gators team that's led by by Billy Napier in his first season. Really the game everyone's going to be talking about is Notre Dame against Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba uh, on the offensive side of the football. Obviously you got Paris Johnson that's going to be going up against Isaiah Foskey. Um, when Notre Dame has the ball, you know, you've got Tyler Buckner there at quarterback. You're going to have Michael Mayer um, at, at, at the tight end position. It's going to be an interesting matchup to say the least. Jarrett Patterson, the center, Another guy up front offensively. Uh, another O-line prospect coming out of Notre Dame. It seems like they're just producing them left and right. We'll be breaking that game down as well. Um, one final intriguing game. Late night on the West Coast. Uh, you got Boise State taking on Oregon State. I think that'll be an intriguing matchup as well. Um, you know, Really going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Then we talk about Sunday's game. Brian Kelly's first game there at LSU, taking on Florida State. Comfortable win in their first game against Duquesne, uh, the Seminoles. Heading into Louisiana, Kayshawn Boutte and company there with the Tigers. I think that'll be a fun matchup. And then we close out with Monday, Chick-fil-A kickoff. Does Georgia Tech have a chance against number four-ranked Clemson Tigers? 
I don't see them having a chance. DJ Uyangalole looking to have a, a big season in a um, really a much improved, most improved season. You know, I think that's kind of what he's going for, most improved player. Um, defensively, though, Clemson's just absolutely loaded. Uh, Jeff Collins is really going to have his work cut out for him if uh, the Yellow Jacks are going to be pulling off the upset. But we'll take a look at some of the matchups there and some of the guys to be watching out for during that game as well. Um, so a lot that we're going to be covering. Um, stay tuned in a couple of days. We'll get that podcast out as well. But I wanted to make sure that we were talking about the first two days of week one. September 1st, September 2nd, Thursday, Friday. Hope you tune in. Hope you enjoy some college football and then come back at the end of the week. We'll get you ready for the rest of the slate of college football games. It's here. College football. One of my favorite times of year, no doubt. So until next time, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Sit back, relax, enjoy the college football season. And until next time, everyone, I am out of here.